first of all, KJ came here to play basketball. Luke had him read the entirety of First Peter. I think next week we should have him read Genesis. What do you think? Now, everybody see this? This isn't part of my, uh, I just need to get your attention. So. So right now, I've got about two years left in my prime. So I've got a workout buddy. We always hit the gym whenever we can. And as motivation, we like to stand right in front of the mirror and watch our muscles rip as we lift weights. And to maximize um, muscle performance, I used to wear really short shorts and muscle t-shirts so that everything was hanging out and so I could see everything in this mirror. Well, then about three weeks ago, I came to the realization that I uh, was not being modest. And, um, you know, as fun as it is to hold people to double standards, I don't think I'd like my wife to dress showingly in public like I was dressing. So now, to keep myself motivated, I just look at my gym partner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so I was wondering what else I could apply this to, and I realized that Jesus also applied this to a bunch of the Old Testament laws. So if we turn over to Exodus 20:13, there's the verse where it says, "You shall not murder." It's also in the Ten Commandments. In Matthew 5.21, obviously Jesus is saying here, You've heard it said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So, in the Old Testament, it's just, you know, a law. Don't murder, obviously. God is wise beyond us, and if you look throughout the Old Testament, you find a whole bunch of things that are laws that now we see as, those are smart. I mean, we, he said, wash your hands after touching a dead body. That's, that's germs, we've learned that now. We've learned that um, whenever you fornicate, there's chemicals that are released that attach you to that person, so there's that law behind um, that before marriage. And here, whenever he talks about murder, it's just a law. Back then it was just a law. But Jesus takes it a step further and says, not only don't murder, but take it a step further for your brothers in Christ and your sisters in Christ. So whenever Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, he's calling out the women of the church to dress modestly. Obviously he's calling out so they bring glory to God and glory to their husbands. But, I mean, since Jesus takes it a step further, I would take it a step further and say... I'm going to dress modestly to the gym so I help the sinners. Like, if I dress showing everything out and then there's somebody that's struggling with lust at the gym, then I'm, you know, a catalyst for their sin. So there's so many things that we can do, steps that we can take further to help our fellow, fellow Christians. Um, for example, uh, other indulgences. So if my mom really didn't like the video game I was playing, I wouldn't stop playing the video game because it was, 
because I love her and because I'll do what I say, but like, I don't want to bring her to anger. I don't want to cause her to sin because of my video game. Or um, if I wanted to go out for a drink with my friends, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if this poor old lady at church would see me come out of the bar. I wouldn't want to make her worry. So that's just, I wanted to challenge everybody. And is there something in your life that might not, it's not a sin, but could you change it so you don't cause someone else to sin? I'll grab my bat. Thank you, Ty. All right, let me open my notes real quick. All right. Never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp, which was, which was turned my life into one long night, seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Never shall I forget these things, even if I am condemned to live as long as God himself. Never. Good evening. So that quote is from a book called Night, written by Eli Wessel. In his lifetime, he endured some very dark times, uh, 1940s, and he was a survivor. And his memory of that time scarred him for the rest of his life. It turned him into who he was, and he even acknowledges it in his epilogue at the end of the book. Memories, make, memories are a key part of ourselves. Moments in our lives become big factors to who we are. With that in mind, let's read 1 Peter 1.9. If you don't mind turning there, First Peter 1.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I think of all the moments that Peter must remember throughout his life. Being a young boy working with his father on the fishing boat to becoming a fisherman himself. From there being called by Jesus, traveling, witnessing all the miracles that took place. Walking on the water in the middle of a storm with Jesus right there. Defending Jesus in the garden when they came to take him, his denial. His redemption given to him by Jesus and his time spent spreading the word around Judea after Jesus had ascended. From all these moments, these memories, the most important part that he chose to remember was his time with Christ and what he learned with Christ. He could have easily worried about his life at the time since Christians were being persecuted. He could have worried about his reputation or in our sense, especially as seniors, getting into college or any part of that life, or any of the other thousands of things that we worry about day to day. Whereas Eli did, we could dwell on a moment of our life that, while horrible, we could have done something better with the rest of our life, rather than dwell on these things. Peter could have spent his time mulling over his denial of Jesus, but instead, he never forgot those moments. He never forgot those moments, but he did not let it define him. 
In the end, we choose to remember the moments that have the greatest effect on us. So how do we remember our lives as Christians? Is it important to us? Is it something that means something? Or is it just a thing that we do? Is it a part of who we are? How important is our walk with Christ? I know it's important to God. He gave his own son so that we could be with him without blemish, without sin, without hurt one day. And all the things that he asks us to do throughout 1 Peter 2, to be servants, to be humble, to love those who don't love us, to remember those who are poor, those who are sick, or as Ty said, to remember that maybe we aren't the center of the universe and we need to do things just so others can help and be helped. He brought us out of the darkness and into the light. He gave us a purpose, and that purpose gives us joy. By claiming us as his own, he has given us the gift of an eternity spent without darkness. Someday. If it's not now, someday. So why don't we display it even in our worst of times? Why can't we show it? As I said a couple weeks ago, for those of you who were here during the Pearl of during my other sermon, we are the church. We are his representation and his ambassadors in the world. So why can't we show the light? Why can't we be the light that has spread? And why can't we help it spread? Some, such as Eli Wiesel, would lose his inheritance because of the world's troubles. Because they're too bogged down at what's going on and what's worrying rather than focusing on the joy. The joy that they have when Christ gave his life for us. It is this joy that Peter chose to focus on, chose to spread, and chose to help others see. He showed us that if we remember our Father who is in heaven, then he shall remember us on the day of judgment. And what a glorious day that will be. I'm the last person who, say, who should say this, but through his blood. I think I have figured it out. Uh, you know, as I was thinking about Ty's, who was up here, you know, first off, well, they were chosen people. And how important, jump over to John for a moment, in John 13. John 13 and verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. It was time for him to go to the Father. So we see the time period here, his, his ministry on this world is coming to a close. He's very aware of, the, of this thing. He's very aware of what's about to happen to him. You know, when you think about what are the things that we typically remember most? You remember the first words your infant or your baby child says? Do you remember the last words that maybe one of your parents said on their deathbed? Do you remember the first time you did something or the last time you did something? We tend to remember the first and last. Now, we place a lot of importance on the very first. We place a lot of importance on the very end. As Jesus knew his ministry was coming to an end, and thinking about coming out of the darkness and to the light, and setting the right example for us, because Jesus is the light. 
When you think, ask the question, why did Jesus come to earth? He came for a variety of reasons. One of which was to show us the perfect example on how to conduct our lives. And you know, one of the, as he, got, as he gathered with his disciples at the Passover feast, if we jump down to verse 5, I want you to notice what Jesus did. After that, he poured water into a large bowl. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet. He dried them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. One of the last acts of Jesus Christ before that eventful evening was to wash the feet of his disciples. Is that what we typically think of in leadership? You know, if Joe Biden or Donald Trump were to walk in here this evening, would you expect them to come up here and start washing our feet? That's not what we in our society have deemed leadership to be, is it? But that's exactly what leadership is. That's exactly what being a Christian is about. About a life of servitude, of life of putting others before yourself. As Ty was talking about, you know, not wanting to play that video game because it might upset his mother. Who's he thinking about? That's putting others and other needs before your own. That's what Christianity is about. It's not necessarily what's written, thou shalt not. All the thou shalt not. It's about looking for opportunities to help your fellow man. And so that, when I, when I was asked to, when Luke asked me to speak, those are the thoughts that were going through my mind that I wanted to share with you just for a few minutes. As we get ready to depart this place and, and move on into the other celebrations and honor, uh, honoring our seniors, I want us to take this with us, these words that you've heard here tonight, putting others before yourself, one of the last acts of Jesus Christ on this earth. So keep that in mind as we wrap up. There are a lot of people here that have various needs, and we never want to close a worship service without giving you the opportunity for us to help you. We're going to give you an opportunity as we stand here in just a moment and sing our invitation song. If you have any needs that we can help with, please come forward during that time. Let's stand and sing.